This is the Movie Hall of Fame Gambling Edition for Friday, April 30th, 2021. And there he is across the table from me, the worm to my Mike McDermott. It's Adam Hall. Worm? Yeah, I love the things you come up with. You come up with better nicknames for me than I do quotes at the end of this fucking show. I put a lot of work into this show. <laughs> I know that. As you know. Speaking of the amount of work we put into this show. Oh, it took you five seconds. <laughs> it took you five seconds and we're already going down this rabbit hole. What do you have to say? I'm here for you. <laughs> um... So uh, we we've been bought out by Spotify, and uh, for the you know the I think modest price of ten million dollars, uh, ten million it wasn't enough really. We're now going exclusively to Spotify, folks. Mm-hmm. So sorry, Apple heads <laughs> and Stitcher heads. <laughs> we're going to Spotify, and we're totally PC all the time. All political correctness all the fucking time, man. Gonna spew right. our anti-vax shit on Spotify. <laughs> Where are you going with this? <laughs> no, uh, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. People, we, this is a serious matter here. Yes. Um, Adam has three weeks to live. That's right. And so, That's right. I'm very happy, but it's about time I had three weeks to live. It's about time. I've drank, I'm drinking my last bottle of uh, Dr. Pepper, which is probably the thing that's killing me, but I'm drinking it anyway. Right. So, um... Sorry, Adam, uh, but uh, I've decided that I'm going to continue the show without you. Okay, oh, that's fine. Who are you going to talk to? <laughs> Who the hell are you going to talk to? Jabril will be in your Jabril. seat in a mere three weeks. <laughs> I love that, that that's the contract. Like, you're in it until you're dead. Yeah. And then we find the next best thing, which is Jabril Mahmood. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> Listeners, Jabril included, like, it, that's a bad thing. I'm sorry, Jabril. Makes but. you take a long, hard <laughs> look in the mirror when you hear something like that. <laughs> All right, uh, here's the deal. Sorry, Jabril. Serious business. <laughs> Serious business we're getting to. Uh, there are some changes around these parts coming very soon. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that's both good and bad. I think, like, the two of us have a lot going on in our lives right yes, now. Yes, we're busy. We're really fucking busy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm busier now than I think I've ever been in my entire life. It's um, good. Yeah, it's not a bad like, thing. Yeah, since like finals week of fucking senior year of college. Um, so with that, you know, comes, uh, I think, some adjustments and priorities. Okay. And I think this show, although it is still a priority, I think is a little further down that list. Just a little bit. Just a hair or two. I know. So Nico is taking this time to stop doing the show to work on his eating habit. That's right. That's what it is. <laughs> Believe it. You think you're joking. Believe it or I not. Know. I'm also fucking working. I, on I was. I, I think you have. I've heard about some things. Yes. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, look, there's a lot of great changes happening yes. in everyone's life. Yeah. You know, I'm I've. Uh, yeah. So point being this show, we're still going to do it. We still love doing it. Yeah. I'm really proud of this show. I think the show has gotten really good in the last two years. I agree. If you listen back to the old ones where we were three years ago, four years ago, where we are now, night and day. Yeah, guys, just remember, we put Princess Bride in the movie Hall of Fame over RoboCop. (laughs) We've grown so much since then. (laughs) Grown so much. Uh, So, uh, here's the deal. The show will continue. The show will continue under its present format. I 
hate that this happens. How many YouTube presentations have you seen where it's like, we're making a change, people? I know. And we're, we're, it's, it's like nobody fucking cares. <laughs> it's like, oh God, you you sanctimonious fucks. I know. Like, what, what's going on? What are you it's really as doing? It, it, as if we're like the Green Bay Packers <laughs> trading Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's more like, do you really want us anymore? Just You can tell us if you're shutting down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be that upset. No, 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 no. We won't be that torn up. Uh, once every other week. That's the new plan. Yep. Bi-weekly. We're still going to do it. Still going to look the same. Uh, we're going to try to shorten the shows a little bit. Uh, we're going to try to thin down the prep, but still make sure that we come here informed and with nuanced takes. Mm-hmm. All about the nuance here with the kings of nuance. We try to do the nuanced takes. Usually fail, but um, we're but, okay. But yeah. Every other week, that's the new plan. Um, and so next week, uh, you will not see this show at its regularly scheduled time. Instead, uh, you'll have to wait two weeks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but about, uh, yeah, May 15th or 16th, you'll have another episode of this podcast. Yep. Um, and it'll be better than ever, I would say. I think so. We'll have more time to get our zen going and meditate be- for two weeks before we actually do this show. Because that's what I do. That's right. I meditate. No, that, I don't. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. So. Without further ado, this is a show that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. <laughs> I know. It's a show about gamblers mm-hmm. and gambling movies. Mm-hmm. And it was inspired because the Criterion Channel, one of the great streaming services on the internet, That's right. uh, unleashed upon the world a collection called The Gamblers. Yep. 18 movies in that collection about uh, you know gamblers uh, both uh, of uh, high stature and low. Both successful and unsuccessful, mostly unsuccessful, usually unsuccessful. And I think that's the running theme of this show here. Um, And I thought, great, I'm going to now make Adam watch a bunch of these. uh, And we're going to talk about the nature of what I would consider my favorite subgenre of movie. (laughs) It's it's just such a weird subgenre. I don't know. (laughs) How is this for you? It's fine. Okay. (laughs) But it's just fine. You know, it's not like, I think there's one here for me that's great. And then the rest are like, yeah, it was fun. And then I sort of move on with my life. You know, I I don't know. I'm not a gambler. I'm not a gambler. I I like playing like like Texas Hold'em every once in a while because it's fun. But I don't put anything up legitimately. I play for like, like peanuts or pretzels and shit like that. You know, I, I, I don't know. I like my money too much to, you know, risk it all. You know, I'm I'm like Ryan Reynolds in, in Mississippi Grind before he grows his balls at the end. Right. So that, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> you, I don't know if you'll agree or disagree. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I am a degenerate gambler myself. Okay. <laughs> um, and although not properly diagnosed, I think I definitely have attributes of a gambling addiction. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say it's as crippling as the people here. No, I think I still find joy in gambling where I think most of these characters, although some of them do find joy in it. I think most of them, uh, are, are sort of in a, a um, sort of halfway into the grave. Yes. You know, at towards the end of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the deal. Um, I don't, I don't know if you are not a gambler and you don't sort of understand the like weird, perverse attraction to these games if you will find this like cinematically interesting and i think that's like my first question to you is do you find the act of playing cards at a casino to be visually interesting oh absolutely okay you do (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely like a lot of this like again like not there's there's nothing about this that works theatrically in the most traditional sense like in a play because so much of it is very simple and quiet and nuanced and literally most of the time it's about reading things that are 
you know, indescript only to the right person. And the movie is very good at highlighting those details mm. on how a person's thinking when they play a certain hand or make a certain bet mm. or how they react to a dice roll that we don't actually see mm. stuff like that. So it's incredibly cinematic and it's fun. The, the, there's a lot of similar tricks, mm. which is what I was will say. There are some obvious motifs that play throughout basically all these movies. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just an, it's just a really, really bubbly conflict that it's like the, it, it's like the most aggressive, quiet conflict. Right. Does that make sense? It, it does. <laughs> I mean, I've always thought of it as like the act of gambling is not as interesting as the people that are gambling. Usually, yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of like the cognitive dissonance here um, is, you know, you're watching just a card flip or, uh, you know, a, 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 a die getting rolled or, or a wheel getting spun. And like none of those acts, unless tied to very interesting and conflicted characters, don't really sort of sing on their own, as opposed to, say, like a boxing match or a war sequence, like regardless of who is fighting in the boxing match or who is shooting the gun. I think both of those things are cinematically interesting. Um, And that's why I think, you know, sometimes war movies don't always have the greatest, greatest characters. Sometimes boxing movies, uh, you know, don't do as much philosophical or, 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 or psychological digging as they could. Um, This one, I I do think like, it's all about who's the guy on the other side of the blackjack table when that card is getting flipped. Um, I think some movies do them really, do it really well. I think a lot of movies do it very poorly. Okay. Um, And I, I do think like, it's hard to capture. I think these five movies all capture it brilliantly in their own unique way. But I do understand if, if I were to recommend this to someone and they would come back to me being like, I don't get it. And I, I understand if you don't get it. Eh, I don't know. I get it. Cause part of it for me and why the human element is so important, which is kind of what I was about to get to was the addiction of it all. You know, I think that's what, what feels it for, for me is just seeing, like we've already said it, but how degenerate these people are through yes. their addiction of the game and how in, in ways, I mean, sometimes it's, it's justified for good and other times it's just like, like really like sick and nasty and you just don't get it. But that's kind of the thrill of the movie, like in the gambler or something. Right. Uh, but yeah, like the gambler is explicitly about that. Yeah, that's part of the problem, but we'll get there. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, um, yeah, I think they're they're pretty much all a blast, though. Okay, I don't think they're all perfect, but I enjoyed all of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's one I'm not sure is a gambling movie, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's one I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not sure it is a gambling movie, but so this was another difficulty. Is when I was narrowing this down, I wanted to, um, you know, identify not just movies um, with gambling in them or have a gamble or a bet as a conceit, but it's actually about gamblers doing gambling. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you. I think there's one and I know exactly which one you're talking about that sort of strays away from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, for example, trading places could be a gambling movie. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I mean, that is a movie about a wager that is made. Um, but of course it's not like guys at a casino playing cards. Uh, the hustler was one that was on this list all the way up until two days ago. I texted you and I said, you know what? Let's just keep it to casino gambling Mm -hmm. because although the hustler is a gambling movie, it is about a gambler. I mean, pool and billiards is, you know, is a, is a major form of gambling. I don't think it's quite in the spirit of what we were getting at here. Well, I texted you when we made the list. I'm like, is it a gambling movie? I don't know. Something didn't feel right to me. Yeah. And maybe that's exactly what it is. There's just something different. Like I was imagining something like, like rounders, honestly. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, that feels more explicitly this round. I mean, the hustler is about something else. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I think you could say that's more of a sports movie than a gambling yeah, movie. But yeah. I could say the same thing about Rounders, though. Kind of. You know, the maybe, whole thing. Maybe. He's dreaming about, you know, playing Johnny Chan at the World Series of Poker. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That that like aspiration <laughs> is very sports movie as opposed to like what's happening in California split. There's there. There's nothing to, you know, there's no sport element to what they're doing there. I guess. I, guess. I don't know how you feel. Like I, I don't want to be any of the characters in these movies. Uh, yeah. I and, disagree with that. Yeah. That's the issue. I don't want to be any of these characters. I, I would like to be Paul Newman. So, okay. So there's that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. There's a couple characters I'd like to be. Fuck these characters. No. I mean, they're, they're awesome characters, but I like, no, 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 no. And there's also a couple characters that I would just want like on speed dial. Yes, me too. Now that I agree with, yeah. that would be a lot of fun to have basically all these guys in my contest. Let me but- tell you, there are a few guys in these movies that I definitely know. A hundred percent. Like the bookies in this, in these movies, actually all of them pretty spot on, man. Okay. Um, yeah. So here are some honorable mentions. The ones that didn't make the list. And again, some are more gambling movies than others. Uncut gems. Yes. Is not here. I think we could be looking back 10 years from now, 20 years from now and be like, Uncut Gems is one of the definitive movies of the 21st century. Um, But I just think it's too recent. Yeah, I agree. I think it's still mm, number one or number two favorite gambling movie. My number one, I think, is on this list. I think it is on this list. Okay. So Uh, Cincinnati Kid from 1965 is a Steve McQueen vehicle, like one of the first like poker, poker movies, like authentic poker movies. Okay. Uh, a little corny, although a good Steve McQueen performance. Uh, Croupier was here uh, until Adam didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> didn't have time. All good, man. <laughs> We've been very busy. I-, I watched it for the first time last week. Okay. Um, and uh, Clive Owen, it's like a British neo-noir movie um, about a guy that becomes a dealer at a, they call it Croupier over in the UK at a, at a pretty high end casino. Okay. Um, and there's a cool twist at the end. Really fun, like just understated noir movie. The Sting, 1973. Again, like, like you know, con man, sort of heisty. Mm. Not, not quite the same, in my opinion. But the heist is like it's at a racetrack, right? Centered around it. But like the conceit of the movie is more about like, it's it's more of like an Ocean's Eleven scenario. I don't know if I consider that gambling per se. Okay. The, 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 the plot is driven by a very different goal than betting a lot of money. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. So... But Bad Lieutenant was one I mentioned to you about. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, this is a gambling movie. To me, it is. I guess it is the main thrust of the movie, if there is a thrust. It's it's where, I mean, I, I, that's a complicated character. But, yeah. <laughs> but like where a lot of the conflict starts anyway, is yeah. that guy's horrible gambling habits. Yeah. Uh, Hustler and Color of Money, we already mentioned. Uh, see, like Eight Men Out, for example, about the, you know, the Black Sox scandal. I mean, about gamblers, but that's a baseball movie. That's okay. not really gambling. Uh, Atlantic City from 1980 is on Criterion. Uh, wonderful, wonderful film. Susan Sarandon. Um, a really underrated movie. Uh, I, I would check it out. Again, doesn't really center around an act of gambling, but it takes place in Atlantic City and is about a casino dealer. Uh, casino, nineteen ninety five, mob movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Molly's Game, twenty seventeen. Haven't seen it. Oh boy. Sorry. Has had a real resurgence over the last couple of years on Netflix. No, hasn't. Was like the number one movie on Netflix for like three months. That's bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Sorkin needs to not direct his own scripts. I know that. That's my take. I know that. <laughs> That's my take. So you're saying Ocean's Eleven is not? No. 
Oh. However, that opening scene might be my favorite gambling scene in all the movies when he's teaching the celebrities poker. All red. Uh, <laughs> deal to your left. You deal to your left. <laughs> I have three pair. <laughs> That's a great scene. That's a great scene. The amount of fucking times I say all reds at my home games. Does he say deal to your left or your right? I don't know. Well, you're supposed to deal to your right, but he yeah. deals to his left by mistake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all reds. Deal to your right. Y'all yeah, red. And it's fucking Topher Grace. <laughs> uh guys and dolls uh, you know is is a gambling movie i mean there are gamblers in it uh let it ride from 1989 is sort of a comedy a, a, a spoof a satire of gambling uh killing of a chinese bookie on criterion channel cassavetti's joint is mccabe and mrs miller a gambling movie it's a western okay on the gambling collection though on criterion nope it's a western okay uh, House of Games, again, more con man movie. Just watched it recently. I raved about it. The Cooler. 2003's The Cooler. Haven't seen it. Oh, the fucking Cooler, man. Baldwin. Uh, it's 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 not great. But. <laughs> well, that, okay. It's great to me. It really builds it up for like five minutes. <laughs> I mean, five seconds. <laughs> William H. Macy and The Cooler, man, is just out of this world. The Man with the Golden Arm, great Sinatra performance. Um, when It All is a mumblecore movie from a couple years ago. Silver Linings Playbook, that is kind of a gambling movie. Yeah. Eh. There's a bookie. The climax is a, a gambling moment. Eh, it's a romance, though, dude. It's yeah. a love story. Snatch. I was thinking that, or like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, kind of. Right. Both have gamblers. Uh, Rain Man thought about it but i was like for like two seconds and i'm like raymond no right <laughs> no and um bad lieutenant yep there we go let's start let's do it 1974 is the gambler yep directed by Carell rise written by james toback uh believe it or not a degenerate gambler in his own right oh really wrote this thing autobiographically um about his own gambling addiction um and it stars James Kahn, who at the time was undergoing a severe coke addiction. Oh, you don't say. So, man, the 70s, what a time. Also, Paul Servino and Laura Hutton in, or Lauren Hutton in this film. Axel Freed. I just love when it films his name. Is, <laughs> is a literature professor. He has the gambling vice. When he has lost all his money, he borrows from his girlfriend, then his mother, and finally some bad guys that chase him. Despite all of this. He cannot stop gambling. Oh, <laughs> and he's very angry. Can you believe it? J James Conn is angry. <laughs> he's super mad and he beats people up every once in a while. I take it you didn't love this. It, yeah, it's my least favorite of the movies on this list. Okay. It's still really good. Like I had a lot of fun with it. It's it's it's, you know, it's very entertaining. And James Conn is, is you know, James Conn. What do you want? Mm. Um I yeah. think he's like low key remarkable in this. Yeah, he, no, he's really, really good. Yeah, and I, I you, it's funny. Like you see him, and, and he's in the classroom. It's like, is James kind of really a, a literature professor? What the fuck is this? And then it's like, oh, eh, maybe he is. I buy it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's all right. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's got some wonderful music. It's I think it's got my favorite score of all these movies. I think it's just weird. It's almost like a horror score. It's really creepy, mm. and I just love that like sort of ominous like like veil over this movie to let you know like it's this is a pretty disgusting world we're about to situate ourselves in mm. and it follows through with that i just think at this point i was 
you know, I'd seen a lot of those tricks and I've become very familiar with it. And I think the only thing that like really kept it down for me was like, this movie is not very nuanced in the way that the other ones are. There are very explicit scenes in this where James Caan is like, I do it because of the juice. It's all about the juice. I'm like, yeah, I know. I fucking know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Okay. It's but it's fun. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> there's a there's a story. There's a, there's this famous gambler named Nick the Greek. He was one of like the original like celebrity poker players from like, yeah. the fifties or whatever, and uh, essentially like helped invent the format for the World Series of Poker. And the guy was a multimillionaire again, one of the most successful poker players on the planet. And eventually, in his old older years, he goes broke and like is uh, left to just play like five dollar limit like Hold'em games just in the middle of like a random ass casino in Reno, Nevada. I'm not sure exactly what the casino was. And, uh, when somebody recognized him at the game and it was like, yo, Nick, the Greek, what are you doing at this $5 game? Like, shouldn't you be playing at larger stake tables? Uh, he replied with this great line. Hey, it's action, ain't it? And mm. you know, that's kind of what this movie is about. Now I understand like, they kind of use a hammer, not a chisel to drive this point home in this one, but it's also the seventies and it's also a New York movie. And it's in that period, you know, it's like dog day afternoon and taxi driver and you know, midnight cowboy, like difficult men, New York movies. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it doesn't really play like these other gambling movies play, you know, it it kind of plays more as like a character study, kind of a dark character study. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes, yeah, those movies, although all great and classics and movies that I love do sometimes beat you over the head with their themes. And yeah, I I think, you know, if this movie comes out in the nineties, I'm not sure it, it uh, is as as explicit with the themes or if it's remade. Well, we don't, we didn't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen the remake. I haven't seen it either. I almost watched it this week. I I haven't seen it. No, I didn't see it. I've heard really not good things. Yeah. yeah, Big surprise there. Shocker. Was it Mark Wahlberg in that role? Yeah. With, um, with John Goodman. Really? As the bookie. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, no, I don't see John Goodman and Mark Wahlberg did a movie together. Yeah, John Goodman's bald in that movie. Really? Shaves his head. What the hell? Or maybe it's a bald cap. I don't know. All right. But they keep like the same like conceit. Like he's a professor and he becomes a gambler. I think it's a lot, uh, you know, a lot more Wahlberg. A lot more than Ho- con. Like Hollywood too. Yes. You know, this is very 70s, like you said. You know, I, I was noticing that immediately. I just, I love the cinematography in this movie as well, by the way. Mm. It's like, it's it's weird because I mean movies of this era are always sort of heightening how dirty its setting is especially New York but it's actually like I don't know I feel like I'd be the only one to say this but there is a strange sleekness to this movie that I actually appreciated as opposed to something like California Split which is like the grainiest filthiest looking like yeah. crumpled up piece of paper in exactly. a bin movie I've ever seen yeah. it's like I was literally at that casino last week yes <laughs> I was there for the like the roast beef buffet or whatever <laughs> No, seriously. Yeah. It's like, who are these fucking hicks? I was playing bingo at the fucking... <laughs> to quote Hillbilly Elegy, who are these fucking hillbillies? <laughs> uh, 
but it's like oh this parking lot scene has like no lighting like i can't see anything that's happening and that's but like this is like like i don't know like this is much cleaner in a way and maybe i, I was like battling that because there, there was a lot of me that's like this is really well made and it's super well directed and i love this writing for the most part um but it's like it is very clean to me anyway i don't know i don't know what what that what that disconnect was mm. and i i appreciated some of the dirtier dirtier elements of some of these other films that felt so in line with degenerate gambling and maybe that's a prejudice that i have maybe there's a version of these degenerate gamblers that's super sophisticated but yeah i don't know I you want to see james bond as i a, don't need to see james bond i understand but i love that poker scene despite the fact that it's inaccurate that's fine it's a really bad poker scene it's not a bad poker scene no it's not a no it's a it's good, a good it's, it's a good great, scene yes. it's a bad poker scene <laughs> oh i see <laughs> <That's>, you know <laughs> Then who cares? Oh, it's a good James Bond scene. It's a wonderful James Bond scene. I think it's fantastic. I dig it, but it's like, there's no fucking way would you have straight or fucking, what is it? It's uh, quads? No, straight flush. He had a straight flush, yeah. He had a straight flush over the full house, over the full house, over the nut flush. Okay. Oh, you just mean like with the crazy fucking hands yeah, that they get at the end. come on. What are we doing uh, here? That's movies. <laughs> I've seen like a straight flush twice in my life. Yeah. I've never seen it over a full house, over a full house. That's come on. In an action, in a James Bond movie, I, I give it a pass. In a movie like this, that would be weird. Yes. Where it's more in the weeds of what gambling is. Right. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't have as much to say about this one. I thought it was, you know, it, it sounds so weird to say i don't know why i'm saying this but i think it's true like i don't consider any of these movies disposable but this was the one that came the closest to me strangely and that's interesting because i would have thought the complete opposite it's not my favorite on the list either but i i do think like it's the one that treats gambling the heaviest really no you don't think so Mm -mm. you don't think that last moment is like that didn't feel kind of bleak that didn't feel authentic to me at all though oh really that that was part of the issue i'm like okay too much it was yeah way too much i was like a lot i feel like a lot of these like dramatic moments that these people would actually be dealing with like i understand it's a movie you have to make it dramatic but you can do that within the 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 seams of reality and there are other movies here that do it very 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 well Hmm. that do this really incredible dramatic moment which probably wouldn't be as crazy as it would be in real life but they know how to I don't know, uh, manipulated enough. Right. So I, I kind of buy into it a little bit more. And there it's like, he got cut in the knife. It's this hor- horrible scar on the side of his face. And it just ends on that. I'm like, eh. Right. And like, I, I think that's a little, like a stretch too far, you know, like you're, you're, he's beating up a pimp in the last scene. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I no, I I, just, I understand. At I, that point, I do think it's the seventies, though. You have no, to give it I, it's I, under, I understand that, but it's not like, but it's placed in like a very, very like believable world, and then at the end, it becomes Taxi Driver. It's like right. it's like Taxi Driver is Taxi Driver for the entirety of that movie. Sure. It's just this glorious nightmare. Whereas this is like, yeah, I buy it, and then oh wait, whoa, 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 why? What are we doing here now? Right, you know. No, I I totally understand it. I I do think the movie for the most part is just a con showcase he is uh, it just in both you're right the gambling scenes and in the classroom I scenes love, yeah just totally authentic really and believable really it's like a really restrained james con too. Like <laughs> if you can believe it yeah it is perhaps his most restrained performance with the exception of misery i guess that is like literally a restrained performance self man else the most restrained performance yeah i guess so <laughs> maybe his best performance when you really think about when it when you really think of it like when you really <laughs> scroll through the annals of, of american cinema that might be it um <laughs> But there's just a lot of great little moments, too. And I love this script. Uh, you know, the moment where Burt Young picks him up uh, and like takes him to the the guy's house and 
remember when he's like knocking the shelf over mm-hmm. and he just takes the little wooden ship and just tosses it over at Khan and Khan just yeah. catches it. He's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, just can't break the, the ship. <laughs> um, you know, like uh, the, the moment where he, the, he quotes uh, the, the poem, Buffalo Bill's defunct. Yeah. What, what does it mean? What it says. It's a great <laughs> script. There's just so many good little moments like that. And I think you're right. Although it is a little heavy handed and although, you know, Uncut Gems kind of perfected this formula of guy gets in over his head and is trying to swim his way out of it. Uh, I still think is like an effective thriller. Yes, I agree. It is. It's a, if, and watching it like that helped a little bit, you know, especially I didn't hate the ending, you know, it's, it's a fine ending. It's just, you know, I, maybe it's, it, I didn't adjust quick enough. That could have been what it is. Mm. But I definitely think if you watch this as just like a guy trying to dig himself out of a hole, it's a, it's a lot more fun, Yeah, you know? And it, it, yes, it's, it's a very solid gambling movie in all those ways that you just expressed. And like I said, I don't have any issue with the script aside from the heavy handedness of it all, but you know, how dismissively he just bets this money to it. Yeah. 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 Like no, bet it opens up when you're midway through the action it's, he's already at the casino yeah. he's already in the hole like five grand and he's just throwing this stuff away like it's peanuts i know it's gonna happen though yeah and I, I don't know like like again i think it's just because i saw this is the last one that i watched right and it's like yeah i know he's gonna take the money from his mom and gamble it away yeah you know when he places that lakers bet though like yeah. even that's just like it he doesn't really dwell on it that much it's just like okay i'm gonna you know run down there and just it's a lock it's very disturbing Man, when he's in the bathtub, I've never been there, but I've been there. That's a great moment too. Just the way it's shot, it's shot in a mirror and you're not looking directly at him almost as if he's too ashamed of the moment to like have the camera, right? Give it a full view and like focus on him. Mm. It's really, really good filmmaking. Um, I do want to talk about this in relation to Mississippi grind when we get there, because we're going to be talking about a lot of movies in relation. No, we have one more movie (laughs) we need to talk about in relation to Mississippi grind. Uh, but so just uh, put a pin in that. And when we get back, uh, cause I do think there are things that Mississippi grind improves on and does not improve on. Um, from this movie, but I love it. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's exactly what I look for in a gambling movie. One that is both at, you know, thrilling and, uh, tense, but also incredibly depressing and, uh, also has like a sense of humor and has a great performance in its center. Is it that depressing? Fuck James Caan. <laughs> great character, but like, fuck this guy. <laughs> well, that's my question to you. Yeah. The movie. Uh, well, okay. Let's just get to this now. Cause I was going to talk about this with Mississippi grind. Um, the stuff that Ben Mendelsohn puts his family through or ex family through in that movie, uh, is treated as an act of deception and the people around him are treated as the victims. Whereas this one kind of tries to have its cake and eat it too, where he like, he takes the money from his mom and you feel bad for his mom kind of, but also like his rich grandfather's an asshole. Yes. And you kind of want them to give him the money. I straight up didn't like that. Right. It didn't work for me at all. I'm just, every time I come back to it, I was, I forgot that this was even a part of the movie. It was just wasting time. Um, but I agree with that too. Like I, I think what these, the, the best of these movies do very well is that it makes you not just addicted to like their act of debauchery, but also just the person themselves. You have to be addicted to them in the way that you realize that they're not good for you and they're bad and being involved with them is, is, you know, obviously horrible for your life, but they're very endearing in this really weird, hard to articulate way. Mm. And it's like, well, yeah, you pity them in some yeah, ways, right? Oh God, especially in the, the, some of the later ones here. 
And it's just like, I know you suck, but like, I kind of love you, man. Right. It's like, and I'm, I, no matter how much you suck, I'm, I'm going to want to see you do a little bit better. I just think, you know, in hindsight, seeing what these other, how these other movies handled this particular theme, like the idea that, yeah, he's an asshole and he stole money from his mom and like, he just needs to stop because he clearly has an addiction. But also it's because he has daddy issues. Yeah. Like that just kind of bothers me, you know? It wasn't necessary. Like I, it wasn't, it would have been enough, I think. Right. And I think, but and here was the kicker. I think if he had died, I would have been like, yeah, okay, fine. Good for you. Right. It's not like, and here's the thing. Adam Sandler at the end of Uncut Gems, like breaks my heart. Yes. You know, I know he's a dog that needed to get put down anyway, but yeah, you, God, you love that dog. I know. God. Howard Ratner. I know. (laughs) All right, uh, that's The Gambler. Let's move on. 1974's California Split. Two movies came out. I think two of the like definitive gambling movies yeah. of all time came out same year. Crazy to think about. Uh, directed by Robert Altman, written by Joseph Walsh, who, if you can believe it, also a gambling addict. Oh, boy. <laughs> Starring George Siegel and <laughs> Elliot Gould. Elliot fucking Gould! <laughs> Elliot Gould in this movie. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> When a casual gambler befriends a professional one, he begins to mirror his life, sending both deeper into the sleazy gambling world where the stakes keep getting bigger. Do they? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, just talk to me. Oh, this movie rocks. First of all, it's It's, it's fucking amazing. But like, so hard. But it's yeah, it's like it's just a jam session, a garage. This movie. (laughs) I I mean, I I don't watch this movie for the conflict. I wasn't even sure there was that. Dude, you go to a heavy metal concert, you mosh like when they, you know, I mosh in my room to this movie. movie Like, if you want to know, like, what gets like me to just fucking (laughs) yes. Like it's this one. Yes. Yeah. This movie, this movie kicks all kinds of ass and it's like, what are you going to do? It sings so hard. I, I, I watched it very casually and I think the movie does a good job at letting you watch it casually. It's the only one of these, I would say, I mean, again, aside from one, but we're going to talk about that. Is that like, I was like, you know, this is just a chill movie to me. And that's very different from most gambling moves. I think for the most part, they do pretty well in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's not like that much loss or failure. And there's, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a Robert Altman film. So the plot is hard to identify, mm. but it's just like guys learning to appreciate each other's personalities and working with like how each other works and like the groove of a, of a gambling scene and how one is so rad different from the other and one is such a actually a better gambler than the other and one is more of a muse than anything and it's yeah it's just this chill buddy movie and they just so happen to be gamblers right and that's the movie yeah I, it, it is kind of a comedy but not in the same way that a lot of Altman movies are comedies no um, you know MASH is like an explicit satire and it like doesn't necessarily loathe those characters but it, it's definitely like having a laugh at their expense Whereas this one, you know, Nashville, I think is similar, although, you know, that's a little more complicated. I definitely think the way he directs his actors is very similar. Like I watched this. I'm like, yeah, it's an Altman movie. It like, de- definitely is. Yeah. I, I think the sense of humor here, though, is a lot more like earnest and like a lot more heartfelt um, than the mash. It's nowhere yes. near as cynical as mash. Right. OK, that's uh, the, that's the word I'm looking for. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't like the movie. Definitely comes down on gambling by the end of it and you're definitely left to reckon with the decisions that both the characters have made and that you have made while watching them Mm -hmm. uh but like altman really likes these guys 
And that's kind of a new look for him. Like, I think for the yeah. most part, he doesn't really love his characters. No. Or at least if he loves them, he loves them in his own way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I you know? That, yeah. Like, he fucking hates Tim Robbins in The Player. <laughs> hates <Yeah>. that guy. <laughs> Although he's fascinated by him. Like, that guy's a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nashville, you know, similar. Like, he likes some of them, but most of them I think he finds to be kind of loathsome. Yep. Uh here, yeah, I, I I do think like he really enjoys spending time with these two people, mm-hmm. um, and so I I think like seeing the Altman style with a little less of the cynicism, it really works for me. It works for me too. Yeah. No, I thought it was a, a very inviting. I think it's uh, I don't know where it ranks for me. Maybe my third favorite of Altman's. Mm. Maybe hard to say. Yeah. But I don't know. I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I just found this movie to be just very like soothing in a way. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, it's definitely a gambling movie, but like I, you can watch this just as like a buddy film more than anything mm. and almost forget about a lot of the gambling elements. It's, uh, what would I say are criticisms though? Hmm. I felt like something was off. <laughs> I will say like maybe the ending's a little quick. Okay. Like, like we'll talk about this in relation to like Mississippi grind. Don't you worry. Yeah. But like, I definitely thought like, like the way it reconciles with like what the, the win is about is a little, it's a little, I don't know. I thought it was better handled in that movie. And this one, it's like, yeah, like it, maybe it wasn't so good by movie. And I was like, eh, okay. I mean, right. I, I get it. Like it wants you to sit with it a, a little longer, but well, like, I, I'm not, Sure, the win or loss would have affected anything. Like I, that's the point, though. Right. Yeah. The point is that that decision would have been made regardless of if they were down eighty thousand or if they made eighty thousand. I agree. Right. The decision to walk away still needed to happen, mm-hmm. or at least for one of them, it needed to happen. And sure. For the other one, he just can't walk away, and that's that's how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does. It, it's funny you call this a buddy movie. I think it's kind of a buddy movie. It's, it's definitely it definitely is a buddy movie, kind of a hangout movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. It does capture that weird feeling. I know you don't go to casinos. Um, yeah. That weird feeling of sitting down at either a poker table or at a blackjack table. It is a very strange sense of camaraderie that you have. <laughs> Mississippi Grind gets at this as well. Like for an hour, that is your best fucking friend you know everything about their lives you have gone through like more emotional highs and lows than like some people that you have known for 20 years it is this very like aggressive relationship you form with people in casinos but it's also like a very distrustful one and it's kind of precarious because when you're at a poker table you're playing against them you know they they might take your money and rob you blind and then leave without thinking twice about it when you're at a blackjack table they're your ally and you're against the dealer but they could still fuck you over by splitting the tens or by you know hitting on a 12 when they shouldn't um so it's like they're your buddies and you grab them and you hug them and you love them and you cheer together, but also they may screw you over in about five minutes. <laughs> and that's kind of what this movie is about. It's a very precarious, yeah. volatile relationship. I don't know what that is though. Cause I totally agree with it. I've been there like a thousand times before. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's maybe it's like that, that like shared sense of loss. Like, you know, like, like you all, like stakes are literally on the line for everyone you're sitting with it. So you have that very like visceral and relationship. And the stakes are the same. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. But I feel that way. Like I've, I've felt that way when I've like played sports, you know, or right. like when I played like lacrosse or when I swam, it's like, you just have this strange connection to people who are supposed to be your adversaries. Yeah. But you, I, I don't know. I guess you, you can't help but relate to them in that moment. Cause you know, you're going through the same thing that you're going through. Sure. I don't no, know. but that, that's a team sport. Yeah. I mean, that is like a, but I'm not talking about the people on my team. I'm talking yeah. about the people on the other team. Sure. Yeah. I get it. I, I think just the, 
the quickness of the relationship you form with people at a table. Yeah. Like how intimate it becomes so very, very, very fast and how quickly it's gone too. And I can tell you there's hundreds of conversations I've been at with, you know, guys at poker tables just for fucking hours. We'll just like talk about our lives and like, you know, you really do learn a lot about these very peculiar people and the, like the range of people that you meet as well. Um, I really think there's nothing like it. You know, a lot of people, like if you look at the gambler as a model for the, the psyche of the gambling addict, I don't think you've gotten the full picture. I think some people are chasing the lows. Some people are chasing the highs. (laughs) I think for me, I am chasing the relationships at casinos. I'm definitely chasing that conversation. I hate playing slots. I hate playing at machines. It's like, it's only table stuff for me. And also like when I'm gambling on a sporting event, I hate gambling alone. I like going in with someone else. I do think like there's a social aspect to it that this movie picks up on brilliantly. Um, and like, yeah, I have a lot of George Siegel in me. I got a lot of Elliot Gould in me, man. And I would love to spend time with both of these guys. Yep. I know. I had a feeling you would say that. I saw more uh, 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 Elliot Gould in you. Yeah. Although I can't imagine you doing the little thumb trick. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> By the way, G- George Siegel's reaction, there's no fucking way that was scripted. It was so... <laughs> Authentic. It was like the most authentic response I've ever seen in my life by an actor. <laughs> Elliot Gould is like beyond good in this movie. I laughed so fucking hard in that moment. And I was watching it with Abby and she's like, what happened? I missed it. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like, but you have to rewind. That was great. That was fucking awesome. Come on. Tapioca time. Tapioca. <laughs> this guy's the best. Um, yeah. That when, uh, when Altman approached Gould to do this, uh, Gould got the script, read it, and went, I've always wanted to play this guy. To which Altman responded, you are that guy. <laughs> and that's so true, man. It's just like, it's meant to be. It's fate. It's just like when an actor is just paired perfectly with material, that's that, that's this movie. Um, but like, there's just, again, so many great little moments. Like when he's consoling the hooker, when we first meet the hookers and we're not sure like what the nature of that relationship is. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. And in the yeah. And she's crying I'm in the like, other room. It's what like, is, is that? This? Is that your daughter? Or is that like your sister? Like what's going on here? And when he goes over there and is consoling her, like there is such an authenticity to the relationships between these people. One that I don't think I've ever seen in an Altman movie before. It's also a, a very bizarre relationship. Like yeah. there's authenticity to like the way it's performed, but the relationship itself just objectively is absurd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that entire, like where the transvestite comes in. <laughs> Oh my goodness. How they manipulate that person to like get out of the house. Yeah. I'm like, why was that scene in the movie? Yeah. No, the movie's just filled with that. (laughs) Exactly. It's filled with that. It's just a movie that like feels like character. Yes. (laughs) It's just like screaming with character. Right. It's really good though. Yeah. There's so much of that stuff. Uh, When Gould is like, they're at that casino in Reno and he's breaking Mm. down everybody at the table. I mean, that's just legendary stuff. But the great thing about that scene, and this is something that Altman does that no one else would do is, you know, normally like you would maybe cut that really tight and you would, you know, make it very dramatic. Like, like essentially you're, you're doing like a a heist movie roundup of here are the usual suspects or whatever. He's going through each individual player at the table saying, this is the pro, this guy's the fish. Um, you know, this is the guy that is just going to sit here for an hour and then take off. This guy's tight with his money. This guy's loose with his money. Altman decides to keep the bartender behind them Mm -hmm. and she's laughing 
as Elliot Gould is breaking everybody down. That's like an element of texture that no other director would put in that moment. But the movie's just filled with that stuff. It's Gould saying something funny, Siegel like responding in like a, you know, a, a somewhat humorous way. And then other characters just doing other shit. The amount of crosstalk oh, and cross cutting in this movie it, it, this is just Altman at the peak of his powers I, here. Well, I kept saying that, like, uh, like when moments like that would happen, I'm like, oh my god, it's so Altman, right? It's so Altman. But it's funny you mentioned like, like focusing, like, because like in a moment like where they're at the bar and like the Elliot Gould and George Siegel are hanging out for the first time and they're in the center of the frame, but the audio is not fixed on them whatsoever. It's, yeah. it's the bartender. Yeah, I kept thinking like, you know, you know who might do this. Werner might do this. <laughs> well, you know, Chloe Zhao before winning her Oscar uh, on Sunday, I know you didn't watch the Oscars. Uh, when asked what directing means to her, her answer was what would Werner Herzog do? Was it? That is the, qu- the question that she asks herself. I'm not sure. Nomadland struck me as very Werner. But, I'm not sure either, but, but okay. So, what would Werner Herzog do? So I think by that metric, it is excellent directing here by Altman. All right, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, this is one of the first uh, studio movies that used an eight-track sound system to record eight separate audio channels, mm. um, and really like helped Altman develop the, this cross-talking um, audio configuration. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just a it's just a wonderful, just textured, mm-hmm. lived-in world. Um, not where, it, and it's a, it's it's not afraid to be dirty. Like mm. it's not afraid for the technical elements to not be like pristine. And I love that. Like like the movie just like proves a lot of points. Where it's like like it's it's more about like like the construction of the story and just like like even though like your shot might not always land right where it needs to, just make sure it, it does its job. Mm. And this movie does its job, and it yeah. has just like still spot on direction anyway. And I yeah I I, I just I. I love movies that aren't afraid to, to have those imperfections. It's perfectly okay. Mm. You know, and it can, st- it sells in a more authentic way sometimes. Mm. So a little behind the scenes for you. Oh yeah. This will shock you. Uh, this script was worked on for nine months. Joseph Walsh wrote the script. He was friends with a up and coming filmmaker at the oh, time no. who helped him in the screenwriting process and eventually pitched the thing to MGM Okay. MGM wanted to shoot this thing at Circus Circus in Vegas because they owned Circus Circus. They wanted, I think, to change the name. They they wanted to, you know, change the whole direction of the movie. They're like, no, we'll take our business somewhere else. Hmm. They pitch it to a studio called Universal Pictures. <laughs> Universal Pictures likes the project, buys the script, ties this particular director to direct. Uh, one thing leads to another. They end up hiring this guy for another project that we're working on at the time called Sugarland Express. What? Oh my God. They have to find another director. That's how Altman gets in. But Steven Spielberg was going to direct this movie. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Whoa. What would that have been like? And how would that have affected his career? Could you imagine like if his first movie was like a weird, like California, yeah, a weird, like fucking movie about degenerates. Like it's not very Spielberg their money away. I know it's not very Spielberg at all. I don't think he has any connection to a story like this, but it would have been cool to see, I guess. Yeah. This was a Zucker production. That's very bizarre. Zanuck. Zucker, Zanuck, Zanuck, Zanuck. And uh, who's the other guy? Uh, uh, Zanuck, Zanuck Brown. Okay. I think. Close enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Crazy, man. What a world that would have been. I would have loved it. I I, I, lo- I always want to see Spielberg do like a weird one, you know? Yeah. Or any director do one that's out of character for them. Did you see that West Side Story trailer? Yeah. What'd you think? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of West Side Story. I'm kind of all and in. And it looks great. I'm like really invested. I mean, do you know what West Side Story is? I've seen, Yeah, of course. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just I like the first one. It's just modern day Romeo and Juliet. Right. It's, yeah. It's awesome. That's cool. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm the, yeah, the, the jets and the fucking, uh, the fucking, uh, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Who's the other one? <laughs> I don't even think I could name it. I'm sorry. So maybe I'm not the, the biggest West Side Story fan, but from what I've seen, I love it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm not sure. West Side Story is between the, it's not the Bloods and the Crips. It's no, the, the Reds. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Actually, Uh-oh. I know jets, but what are the, the, ah, I don't fucking know the jets <laughs> and the sharks, sharks and the jets. Ah. Okay, there you go. Okay. Apologies. Yeah. It looks great. Honestly, yeah. it looks really good. Okay. Um, that's it. That's California split. I fucking adore this movie. I saw yeah. it for the first time this year. It is quickly moving up my list of all time favorites. Oh, big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's jump all the way to the 90s now, 1996, with a movie called Hard Eight, directed by a guy named Paul Thomas Anderson. Don't know if you ever heard of him. Uh, Again, never seen a movie by him, including this one. Didn't watch it. Initially supposed to be called Sydney. Yep, I heard about this. The studio took the, uh, the, the creative freedom away from him, recut the movie. Paul Thomas Anderson, to this day, disavows the film and the title. He doesn't know. He does. He disowned the film. Well, I think he wishes it could have been better. I'm not sure if he full on disowns it, but he's not happy with it. Yes. His cut has been lost to the ether somewhere. I don't oh, know what, okay. what's up with it, but That's yeah. too bad. Uh, starring Philip Baker Hall, John C. Riley, Gwyneth Paltrow, Samuel L. Jackson, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Briefly. <laughs> Very briefly. Shaka doo. Oh my God. Shaka we God, poor I missed that guy. <laughs> Professional gambler Sydney teaches John the tricks of the trade. John does not uh does well until he falls for cocktail waitress Clementine. Stacked cast in this movie, Paul Thomas Anderson's first film. He directed it when he was 24. What yeah. were you doing at 24, Adam? This. Yes. The answer is this. <laughs> yeah, this is the movie that made people go, oh yeah, this guy's like a prodigy, you know? Cool. Good old little Paul Thomas Sanderson. Mm. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about heart eight. Yeah. It's a gambling movie until it isn't a gambling movie. Right. And I think that's where it's heart is. I don't really consider this a gambling movie, honestly. Okay. So, uh, I understand why you would, but like, I think it actually very quickly veers away from that. I think the first act is a gambling movie and then everything following basically as soon as, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow comes in, it's like, no, not really. Yeah. Um, it's a Vegas movie. I guess it's more of a character study in a way. In yeah. A way. You don't find it like tied in with Vegas, the town. Cause I actually do find it quite well like Vegas. Oh, I find that the, the, the town of Vegas to be a nice character in a nice setting. But like, again, if the conceit still is gambling, I know that sounds crazy, but like it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see that here. Honestly, it's not really what the movie's interested in. Right. Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, it's about a veteran gambler that teaches another guy the ropes. Um, kind of a hitman movie, kind of a mob movie. More of a mob movie. You know, I guess a crime movie. I don't know what you want to throw this into, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, it's about Sydney, you know. Right. And it, well, it's, it's the heart of it is John C. Riley. 
sure. at the end of the day, the beautiful relationship that forms there. One that I was not expecting because, you know, it's always hard for me to not see John C. Riley as goofy. Right. He's just this goofy guy, like by nature. Yeah. But he's just the sweetest human being, even when he's doing like horrible things. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this character first appeared in Midnight Run in the 80s. Sydney. Sydney. Philip Baker Hall plays him. He's, he's kind of like a Vegas fixer. Um, but it's made clear that he is, you know, a Vegas resident and a hitman. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson writes his first short film, coffee and cigarettes and casts, uh, Philip Baker Hall in this role because he was so intrigued by the character in midnight run. Uh, coffee and cigarettes essentially is like the first scene of this movie. Um, and then they build it out into, um, hard eight, uh, again, not his preferred title. It is uh, like such a mature movie for a guy that's 24. I know. And I mean, like, it's not quite like peak Anderson. It, like, he clearly has not figured out his entire style yet. I think it takes until Boogie Nights before you really see it in its full form. Yeah, but like. So, so what yeah, but it is, I mean, it is leaps and bounds ahead of like most first time filmmakers. I would say all man. I mean, I'd like, I guess Tarantino right off the bat. Kind uh, of like the, the dude, there aren't many. What there, are the best debuts? Lynch? Well, well citizen Kane is the best. Debut, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, okay. But that's who cares? Right. <laughs> no, like, 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 that are in the realm of possibility first time debuts. It's like this reservoir dogs and the witch, mm. which are all masterpieces. Okay. Maybe this might not be a masterpiece, but like for, tw- for 20, you know what? For 24 year old. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> this is impossible. For literally every 24 year old. I had no idea. I knew he was young. I didn't know he was that. Young. Yeah. The, the, but it was 26 when it got released. What the fuck? It, it was early, man. How do you have that confidence to direct some of these actors? <laughs> like they weren't all like huge at that point. I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow had quite made it big at uh, John C. Riley too. But I mean, like Sam Jackson was in a number of like high profile movies. Philip Baker Hall must have. Yeah, it was around yeah. veteran character actor. Yeah. I think it was like 65 when this movie came out. He's wonderful in this movie. Um, but you know, the, like for a 24 year old to, to have the confidence, not only to direct these guys, but to play around with themes of regret and loss Mm -hmm. and fatherhood. Um, that's the big one. That's the one I wasn't expecting at all. I mean, it's a dad movie. movie. Yes, it is made by a guy that's like barely out of college. It makes me wonder like again, because these are all from some part of the director's heart. So, mm. so, so again, I wonder what his relationship with his dad is like after watching this movie. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just incredibly sophisticated yeah. and the stuff that he's doing with the camera, um, the use of score, the editing style. Although I felt a little clunky, like I'm not a big fan of the time jumps in this movie. I, um, and I wonder if that's like, the oh, studio like, system kind of butchering it. Like the lack of indication of the time jumps. Cause I was a little thrown. I mean, you find your footing, but I, d- I definitely think at first it's a little, I don't know. It gives you some whiplash. Right. I definitely think there's like a formal quality to this though. And mo- the, the interesting thing is that most first time filmmakers go way in the other direction mm. where they're just like, like super, like, like, I don't know, indie and, and, and subversive and mm. they want to make the movie almost look uglier than it needs to be. Right. And this movie is very, very carefully considered where it's like, maybe not every shot was necessarily the perfect shot, but you can tell like when Paul Thomas Anderson was making those shots, he believed that that shot was exactly the one you needed for this moment. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of like, like handheld, 
held. It's all locked down, you know? Right. And it's, I, I do like, I like the editing for the most part, honestly, mm. you know? And I, I, I just, I don't know. I just think it's very strong storytelling and I love the indication of like threats when yeah. you know, like something's going to happen. I mean, that, that ending where Sam Jackson is coming back to his house and the cross cutting between, um, um, John C. Riley and Gwyneth Paltrow and Sam Jackson is like horrifying. Mm. And there is a little, I don't know why, but the, uh, maybe this was the point, but there was that little tiny bit of me that was wondering if, if Sydney was going to kill John C. Riley. Yeah. Was that the intention? Um, like, like to, to throw you off anyway, I kind of got a sense of that. Well, at that point had, uh, when he goes back after Sam Jackson reveals who he is, is that the scene you're talking yes. about? It's it's way after. No, this is like when towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil what the actual twist of the movie, but like yeah. it's a. How about that twist? By the way. But again, like okay, this is the other that that is such a radical twist that at that point the movie is very different from what it is at the beginning. Like it's right. no longer that gambling thing that we were talking about. It is a radical ass twist though, and yes. it and it really does like work, even though like you wouldn't even have considered that. Like that's the kind of twist that I love. I think that's like what a legit twist is, is you don't not, not only do you not see it telegraphed, but you actually don't think that that's <laughs> a, a direction that the script could go. No, you know, mm-hmm. and when they actually get there, it's like, holy shit, this was all like a, a calculated thing. Yeah. It's incredible stuff. It's disgusting too. Yeah. It's so fucking just weird. Anything with motels just skeeves me out. Yeah. But like, man, like I, again, just like the choices in some of these scenes, like where they finally like, like get out of there and, and they're kind of cleaning themselves off. And I think about where it's all starting to wrap up and, and, uh, Philip Baker Hall throws the, is it the gun or those handcuffs? I think it's a gun into the, the sewer and just that like really slow, um, um, close up of it going in, which just looks so specific to like Paul Thomas Anderson. And just, I don't know. I had a lot of respect for this movie for just establishing its own identity so quickly or for early. I mean that opening scene when they're in the diner, the camera panning around that diner, like that is not how a first time director usually sets up a shot like that. Like it's very hard to have that sort of confidence in your ability to just move around a space and explore a space. Mm -hmm. I think like reservoir dogs, I think is sometimes guilty of this too. Although I think that movie has like a great sense of space. Like, it's in your face and it's like, we have to get to it. Um, and like, you know, normally you're not really playing around with a lot of shot setups here. Yeah. There's the stuff he's doing with the camera. I think he perfects it in boogie nights. I don't think he, there's a movie that is shot better in his career than boogie nights. Really? Yeah. I would say that's number one. No, there will be blood is like, I think I'd argue that's the, I mean, it's, it's that. And, in the 2010 or 2000s, it's like that. And there, and no country for old men. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. There will be blood's fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, no, it is <laughs> in every conceivable huh. way. I don't know. It's, I think I would say, I don't know. I think I would say boogie nights. Boogie nights is wonderful. It's I, that's a fine answer, but I, I don't know. There will be blood. It, huh, it, it, it does. It, it's hard for it's, Honestly, it's, I might like phantom thread better than there will be blood in terms of cinematography. Yeah, it's very good. The, I, the I, cinematography in Phantom Thread is like out of this world. It is very good. Yeah. The shot of him in the eye hole, like the, the people, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Phantom Thread's an interesting one that I've grown to really love. <laughs> God, this guy's got such a track record. Yes. Like I really only dislike one of his movies and I dislike it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, he's weird because I, I, there's only like two movies that I would consider like my favorites, mm. you know, by him. 
I, I, I either deeply appreciate him or, or like, or, or I just think he's like, you know, kind of like good, fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not like as in love with Paul Thomas Anderson as like most people, I think. But I, 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 again, aside from Inherent Vice, I haven't seen a film by him that I dislike. So I guess there is that. Right. And like I said, There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights are just remarkable. So Right. Magnolia rules. It rules, but you got to be in a mood, dude. Like Definitely. I, I will never. You got to be in the mood for some some frogs coming from the sky. I don't know if I'll ever watch that movie again. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Punch Drunk Love is great. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. In it. But some people really don't like Punch Drunk Love for similar reasons. They just find the movie's pace to just be awkward. I, I actually had, had an argument with somebody about it because I, I really love the movie and I love that sort of like frenetic, frenetic, like unhinged nature of it all. But like he didn't get it. He just found it to be strange and, and off-putting. And I was like, well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? And he's like, no, it felt wrong. It didn't. It felt kind of amateurish. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Have you still never seen The Master? No. Wow. I think that, I would love that one from everything I've heard about it. What are you doing? I don't know. Yeah. It's been all my, it's been all my like, it's been all my like highlighted red list. I have like movies where it's like, you need to watch these yeah. ones. And it's been on there for ages and I just haven't. You will adore that movie. That is so you. I, I mean, that movie is like so in your wheelhouse. <laughs> I think it's just because it's so long. It is long. So there's and the, it's draining. Yeah, I know. It's it's definitely draining. But yeah, I, I mean, okay. So you would call this like the least gambling movie of the five gambling it, movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think though it is about Vegas. It is about a gambler, and I do think like the themes of aging and regret. And that twist yeah. does sort of comment on the city of Las Vegas. And for those reasons, I think I would still consider it a gambling movie. Although I think there are some movies that would fit more squarely in this definition. Yeah. This one has more of like the spirit of Vegas in it. Like it's more about just like the feel of that city than like about gambling specifically, which mm. I know it's hard to separate the two, but right. You know, but I, I, I'm getting very strict and, and, and not very forgiving for, right. for no reason at all. I just am, but, <laughs> but it's just like not gambling. Cause it's about this, not this, you know? Sure. Uh, all right, here we go. 1998. <laughs> Let's do this again. Rounders. Direct- I don't, I, I'm just not going to say anything for this entire, I, uh, <laughs> cause it's like really, it's a, yeah, go, go. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful fucking awesome movie, but like, yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> Are you saying I've perhaps idolized this movie and lionized it uh, a little unfairly? Well, let me put it this way. I don't think it's the best movie on the list. Yeah, I mean, you're right, but... (laughs) I mean... What? (laughs) What? Okay, drink your Dr. Pepper. (sighs) Directed by John Dahl, starring Matt Damon, Ed Norton, Gretchen Maul, John Turturro, Martin Landau, and John Malkovich. A young reformed gambler must return to playing big stakes poker to help a friend pay off loan sharks while balancing his relationship with his girlfriend and his commitments to law school. Okay, this is my point. (laughs) Back at it, because I was thinking about it. Like, did you... (laughs) I know what your answer is going to be, but I guess it comes down to, like, did we need to have two episodes devoted to rounders. And I know you're going to be like, every episode should be devoted to rounders. I've devoted a lifetime to rounders. Like when we're doing, so, a, when we're doing a star Wars episode, you got to put rounders on there. I get it. Nico. We may have to. <laughs> I mean, Teddy KGB and Darth Vader to me are the two greatest movie villains of all time. I understand. <laughs> you know, he might even be better. Don't splash the pot. I'll splash the pot whenever the fuck I please. All right. Yes. What do I want to say about rounders? Well, I've seen it more than probably any movie I've ever seen in my life. That's so funny to me. <laughs> That's so, what's the most you've seen this movie? How many times have I seen it? 
Is okay. that what you're asking? Yeah. Like, like, can you beat my Fury Road or my Jones? No, I can't. I can't beat. Well, I mean, the Teddy KGB scene, I could recite as though I was starring in a theatrical version. <laughs> I, just, I just love the name. The guy's name is Teddy KGB. Teddy KGB. <laughs> like, I could literally quote that. Like, if they were doing a stage version, I, they would cast me as the, either part because I could recite it word for word. Uh, so maybe that scene I have seen more times than you have seen the entirety of Fury Road. Okay. But I probably haven't beat, what are you at? Like triple digits at this point? Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something. Same with Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, probably, it's probably not that much, but uh, man, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I want to talk to you about this, uh, in terms of gambling movies, because again, I've, I've talked a lot about like how wonderful and delightful this movie is. It's cult status. I mean, this was, you know, late nineties. This movie came out in 1998 it was right before the poker boom of the early two thousands. So like poker was in the ether at the time and really helped the movie sort of gain a cult status or, you know, with VHS rental, it wasn't like a huge theatrical hit either. Although the cast is really big. And although you look back now and you're like, yo, Matt Damon and Ed Norton and Totoro and Malkovich, <laughs> Malkovich in, this movie. in a movie like that. No, like if, that movie is just a hit. Like it's just a bona fide hit. Um, but I think sort of got lost in the, you know, the Weinstein independent era of the late nineties. Um, so like I right place, right time, mm-hmm. you know, all that. Do you like when a movie like this spells out the gambling jargon for you? <laughs> uh this is a great question. Hmm. Cause I, you know, fuck. Cause I don't care about the gambling jargon that much. They do it very well. Mm-hmm. The gambling jargon is entertaining, but I guess put it this way. It's, it's not like every movie needs to spell out the gambling jargon. That's not what I'm really there for. Even, and I know, understand this movie does it well, mm-hmm. you know, and it's very accurate and it has a lot of interesting things to show and in a way sometimes teach people. I've heard people like learning a lot about poker just by watching this movie. Sure. Which I find so funny to me because to me it's very like, like Hollywood or theatrical. It's not like as opposed to something like, like California split or the gambler, which are very like, like dirty, at least in their, their, their premise in their world, I suppose. Like here, everything about this feels like a studio got together to like put together a fine quality, uh, gambling film. Mm. But I th- at the same time, though, there is just something about the tone of the movie and just the sinister feel to it all that does uh, make it feel a little dirtier than The Gambler in a weird way to me, mm. which is why, yeah, I actually like it uh, much more than The Gambler. Yeah, I, well, that's actually what I wanted to say about it. It does sort of thread that needle between pity and envy of yeah. these characters th- that I, I think maybe Mississippi grind does that. I'm not sure any other movie quite threads that needle between this is a guy I want to be. And also this is the guy that I like want to run away from. And like at times at simultaneously, he has a great life and a terrible life in Mississippi grind. No, in, in rounders. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I was going to say, cause M- Matt Damon, I, I don't see as like a reprehensible guy. Sure. No, like he's, he's fairly likable. He's more so the, the, the hero. And when he fails, you just want to see him get back up. It's, right. it's a little bit different. I don't know if I ever pity him and I don't know if I ever worry about it. I just think that's because it's Matt Damon. And I think I also talked about this when we first discussed is that I'm not sure he was the perfect choice. It's my biggest criticism with this movie is like, I think he's good in the movie and he just, he serves his fine, his, his purpose. Well, it's mm. just fine. But, but like, I don't know. 
maybe Matt Damon is just one of those actors where it's like, I see him and he's just distracting. There's only like two movies for me, maybe three movies where it's like, I don't really see you in the role. It's like the Martian and uh goodwill. Hunting. Oh, see when I see the and I love the Martian, but one of the reasons I love the Martian is because it's Matt Damon in space. No, see that's the, I, I don't know. I've always seen that character. It's like, unless we're talking about interstellar, okay, well, <laughs> that's a little different. No, that's literally the twist of the movie is that Matt, Matt Damon is in the movie. Yeah. Not that character, man, that, no, Matt Damon. That is the twist. <laughs> <laughs> that's the twist of the movie. It is. <laughs> like that's you want to know what's in the black hole? Matt Damon's in the black hole. Uh, to the credit's probably the best twist of the movie. Yeah. So uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like I don't disagree with you. I I, I just think like the movie it, it's again, I, we talked about this before, more of a sports movie than a gambling movie. And so the stuff going on, it's heroic. It's mm-hmm. a thriller. Yes. Like he triumphs. It's like you never see it as a crippling disease. This lust to play poker. It's made explicitly clear. This is a skill game and he is trying to get great at it. No, like he, any athlete trying to get great at their sport. He feels like a one in a train of like warrior is going to do the great sport of gambling or something. Right. He just seems like a badass. Right. That's the difference. Although he's in a seedy world. Yes. Which I know. is like a cool juxtaposition. No, but he does have that like superhero quality to every time he sits down to a table it's that level of confidence that i'm going to take everyone here right and it's also like it's mythic the stuff in this movie the stuff with johnny chan talking about you know sitting at the table with johnny chan and bluffing him i I mean like that is you know uh like a like a rocky three moment like you know that's not what you think of as like a gambling movie moment although this is how i view myself when i play like a game of poker you know like I, i mean I'm obviously not that good, but (laughs) like when I sit down there, I do see the table as like a thing that I'm about to conquer. You have Um, to, you know? And yeah, I don't, I don't view it as like this pathetic existence um, in the way that, you know, some of these other characters in these other movies might think of their existence. Cause my feeling as a non gambler is like the minute you do that, it is pathetic. Right. That's the, that's the problem with it. That's sort of the trap you fall into. As long as you're willing to dig yourself out of it immediately, once you're done, then Mm. fine. But you know, none of these characters do that. Sure. Well, that's sort of the, The, that's why they're movies. (laughs) (laughs) But back to this conversation about jargon though. Yeah. I, I think I've said this before on the show, like just, throw as much vocabulary at me as you want. Yeah. And I don't give a flying fuck. I don't need to understand a word of what you're saying. Put me in a world, just talk shop to me and I'll figure it out along the way. I, it can do it if it wants. It's not necessary for me. Cause okay. I, I, I thinking about it, it's like, I guess it goes back to what I've, I've always said, like do a poker scene where they never say a fucking word mm. and I would love it. And they kind of do that. They get close to it in Mississippi grind anyway, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I love the visual side of the stuff too much, man. That's mm. where I'm at. <laughs> I'm too much of a director. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I, I just would give me boiler room. Give me Glengarry Glenn Ross over the big short any day. Like I, I don't need to know what a short is. I don't need to know what a hold is. I, I don't, I don't care. Like I'll just, I'll follow along. I'll understand the essence of the vocabulary. It's kind of like watching a foreign movie without subtitles. Mm. Like if you can't like convey the emotion without me reading the subtitles, I'm not sure how great your movie is. Like maybe I, you know, I won't be able to understand all of the plot, but I'll be able to like pick up on the meaning of what you're saying by just looking at your face. Same thing with this jargon. Yeah. If you drop like a uh, high, low seven card stud, or, you know, you, you know, uh, you, you drop a term like the nuts or the river 
and I don't exactly know what the word means and I'm just lost, then I don't think you've done a particularly good job as a screenwriter. Uh-huh. Like just sprinkle your words in there. And as long as I can figure out, is the guy happy? Is the guy sad? Is he winning? Is he losing? That's enough for me. And that's partially on the director as well. Who directed this movie? John Dahl. Cause okay. Cause he does a good job at taking that jargon and being like, okay, let's like start having fun now (laughs) and doing exactly what you just said, like informing the audience just through the looks of these characters and just through like what they put down and how people react to what they're putting down. So, Mm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's It's rounders. It's, uh, it's like one of my children. Yeah. It's like, if I don't know, it's if John wick was a poker movie, (laughs) there you go. Whatever the fuck that means. (laughs) I'm not really sure. (laughs) No, it feels like the action movie poker film to me. That's why it's like the sleek poker fun movie where everyone's like super awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Nyet, 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 nyet. I call. (laughs) That's the best. I will only ever. I bet it all. (laughs) Oh yeah. He sprinkles the chips. He sprinkles the chips. Dude, you, did you really just sprinkle the chips? (laughs) Motherfucker. (laughs) He beat me straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, John Malkovich. He just showed up. (laughs) Uh, You're still down 10 grand from the last time I stick it in you. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best. Not a good actor. I'm a terrible actor. Uh, That's what he said on the set of that movie. It's a terrible actor. Great story. All right. Finally, 2015's Mississippi Grind. I wanted to include a more recent movie on the list and Uncut Gems I thought was too recent. So we're going with this one. Mm -hmm. Written and directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who after this movie got the job directing Captain Marvel. After this? Yes. Right after? Yes. I guess you're right. Yeah. I've seen, I I haven't seen that movie by them. I've seen Half Nelson, uh, this, and it's kind of a funny story. And I like all those movies. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Um, just kind of a, like a, a weird movie to like lead to a Marvel film, I guess. I don't know. But though that but I guess Chloe Zhao is doing a Marvel movie now. Yeah. So. Marvel's being weird and picking up like the indie darlings, I guess, which I really don't like. And no, I I'm hate, not into it. I hate cause the, the indie darlings, like they, they make good movies on their own, but they're very, I don't know, malleable. Yes. <laughs> like it's very easy for them to fall victim to these people. They don't get it. Did you see the interview with Kevin Feige? No. About Jabril sent it to me. There was an excerpt about how like Chloe Zhao on the set of the Eternals is insisting on practical effects. And apparently like she has been allowed to like do her thing, just like shoot some vistas and shoot at the ocean and just she is making sure that they get as much practical stuff in there as possible. So we'll I mean, we'll see how serious he is about that. But that movie needs to be really good for me to watch it. Yeah. Like really good. You're curious though, right? Not really. No? No. Why? Because you think like they're just going to strip away all of her like artistry? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyway, Anna Bowden, Ryan Fleck starring Ben Mendelsohn and Ryan Reynolds down on his luck and facing financial hardship. Jerry teams up with younger charismatic poker player Curtis in an attempt to change his luck. The two set off on a road trip through the South with visions of winning back what's been lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hall. Why? Go ahead. Oh, Mr. Hall. I think this movie's a masterpiece. Oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Goodness. I, underst- I understand it's a remake th- of California Split. It's a remake. It's a better movie, as far as I'm concerned. Holy shit! Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic, this movie. Wow. I was like, oh, these are why gambling movies are special. These are why these characters are special. This is everything I could possibly get out of these movies and more. It's like this and Uncut Gems, and I don't know which is better. Wow. It's a beautiful movie. It's also a very heartbreaking movie. It's a one that is entirely dependent on the nuances of characters winning and losing. And it's not blatantly obvious like like how deep-seated a lot of these issues are and it's just so wonderful to watch them come to the forefront and i just love the 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 quiet conversations this movie has with its characters it's really sweet and again just so disturbing but uplifting in the tiniest ways especially that ending oh my god but that ending it just is a like this quietly uplifting as it is it's also so sad you know and it's just like felt like everything I've ever wanted to get out of a a, a, a a gambling movie. I just think it's incredible. It just offer it, again. Like I say this a lot when I watch movies. Like I don't care what your movie does, just give me something. You know, yeah. I just want to. I don't want a movie to waste my time. I want to come out of it. I don't. I want to say like, your this movie was like a gift. And yeah, this movie gave me something super special. It's Machu Picchu time. Hmm. Hmm. Well. <laughs> I love this movie. Let's be clear. I love it. Yep. Uh, I don't like the ending. Oh, wow. I don't. Wow. I think they let the characters off the hook and, um, you know, is it better than the gamblers ending? I mean, maybe like if you want to say that the gamblers, (laughs) it's a lot better than the, is it as heavy handed as that? No. Um, uh, I'm just not quite sure what the ending is trying to say. Um, and I, I won't go as far to say as it's Hollywoodized, but it definitely feels like Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck were rooting for these characters to succeed. So therefore they gave them the ending that they were rooting for. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think a lot of the endings in in gambling movies in general are very cynical. Mm. In a way, it felt like the surprise ending. (laughs) Yeah, I felt like the anti ending to a lot of these movies in a good way where it's it just oh that's interesting so yeah. in other words in a gambling movie it's always if, if they win that's the anti-ending yes as opposed to like a boxing movie where they lose would be the anti-ending yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. huh okay well that's an interesting way of thinking about it I never quite thought about it that way yeah no that was my friend because i kept thinking like because here's the thing when watching most of these movies aside from this one it was why it was the f- I think it was the first one that, no, no, Heart 8 was the first one that I watched. But I was like, yeah, I know they're all going to, this, this guy's going to die. Like, like some, like, like people, some thugs are going to find him, kill him, whatever. And the fact that they didn't go in that direction, I thought was actually pretty, like, like, I don't know. It was ballsy. Because mm. I think it's so easy to make these characters, like, like further victims and to just kill them off and to show them, like, this is what happens when you go down this path. Mm. I was actually okay at, at this point because it, it, obviously these aren't the only gambling movies I've seen, but every single one that I've ever seen is a, a character like suffering deeply and never quite getting out of that hole. They always end up in a worse place. And the fact that this movie leaves it a little more ambiguous, maybe it's maybe it's a little further down, but maybe it's it's not. I just thought it was so much more interesting than all those other endings because I think like it, I don't know, it leaves you with a lot more to ruminate on. Whereas like with the other endings, especially in The Gambler, you got it, you're done. And it's like, yeah, okay, I don't really need to think about that one right. all that much more. In California Split, even though it's a good ending, it's like, it's like, yeah, I, I okay. Yeah, I, I think about like like the, the cynical idea of like what's, what's it worth to win for, I don't know, five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's good, but it's, I don't know. It doesn't leave me with as, as much 
I don't know, profound substantive stuff as like this one does. Mm. And in such a very different range of emotions where it's like, I, I can be a little sad for this guy, but I can also be happy for him too. I, I felt like this character at least deserved that by the end of it all. Mm. Even though like, again, this is the perfect character I was talking about where, yeah, he's not Mendelssohn. You're talking Mendelsohn, about here. Yeah. yeah. He's not a good dude. He's really bad. Right. But there's something about him. No, I, I and I'm thrilled that the movie doesn't pull punches in that regard. Like this character's brilliant, man. Yeah. It's a really good character and a great performance. Um, that oh, guy, the it, performance. Just, you want me to get going on this performance? Please do. And how it's like one of my favorite performances of the, the, the 2010s now. Yeah. I know so many people like this man. Yeah. I've never seen just like such a perfectly captured human being in a movie in quite a while. This right. It's like that scene where he's yelling at the horses to run and Ryan got Reynolds. I always say Ryan Gosling. Fucking hell. Ryan Reynolds. I, you know, I did the same thing in my notes really? before. I did. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote down Gosling twice in my notes and I went through and I had to change it. Because <laughs> they... T- whatever i mean they're both dreamy men they don't look the same but it's the ryan they have the same vibe though maybe like i feel like they have the same like sort of you know maybe it's just fuckability but i I think ryan gosling has a much more stoic like 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 charismatic stoic quality that uh ron reynolds doesn't quite have but that's not a problem right yeah, no. Uh, well, okay, anyway, when Ryan Reynolds is just sitting there next to him and he's kind of like awkwardly looking at him and he's sort of uncomfortable by the prospect that this guy really thinks he's going to win this one. Mm. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations like that mm. <laughs> and just like looking at the guy like, you got to calm down, yeah, man. Settle the hell down. It's like, you don't know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> and it's bad that you think you do. Right. And the whole movie is just like, like permeated with little moments like that. There are a lot of ups and downs in the movie. Oh too. yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's not as one note, I don't think, as no, any of these other movies, no. um, which I definitely appreciate. And yeah, that scene when he's at the ex-wife's house and he tries stealing the money, um, like, God, man, like that just shakes you to your core. And at no point do you like, you know, uh, blame the ex-wife or like be like, oh, she's so selfish. If only he had more of a support system. And that's what the gambler sort of does with the grandfather. And they don't do that here. No. Um, and Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck were definitely inspired by both the gambler and California split. They have said as much in interviews um, on the topic, but I do think that they play around with those movies in interesting ways. Kind of like Tarantino does in all of his films. It's such a cool remix and like reworking mm-hmm. of a pretty familiar genre at that point. Yep. Um, but they really do some interesting stuff with it. I think again, they improve on a lot of the stuff. I, I I'm, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of that ending. Um, you know, I, I don't love how, you know, how, how it lets the characters off the hook. Um, but yeah, other than that though, like it's a pretty unimpeachable film. Like it, yeah. it really is kind of excellent. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, with, with, again, with everything that they're put through, I'm okay with that ending. Mm. And there, there is, again, be, because it's so different, it just gives me a lot more to consider, mm. you know, about something like this. And again, just because it's not deeply obvious what the ending's about, I'm, I'm even more okay with that. Like, I'm still thinking about the movie, which is a good thing. Right. So, uh, I, I, I also just think the way it handles these characters, like, it, it, I keep going back to Ben Mendelsohn, but like, Ryan Reynolds is like, wonderful in this, too. This is going to be really weird. I don't know if I'm the only person that had this experience. I don't know what circumstances I was watching this movie under, but the moment that he's introduced on screen, I was convinced that this guy was a figment of Ben Mendelsohn's imagination. Oh, and I watched the entire movie and and I've since like rewatched bits and pieces of it, but I was convinced the entire two hours 
that I knew what the twist of the movie was going to be oh. because there's something about him that is so like otherworldly and mythic. And the way that like, like he's talking to the people at that poker table is like, it, it just almost feels like it's Ben Mendelsohn's id. Okay. And, the, and so I was thinking that the whole time and not to say that it's not a good performance. I do think that it's a good performance, but it sometimes feels like it's from another movie. And maybe that's the point. I think it's supposed to be. I mean, the, the, there's a. I thought the twist was just going to be another, again, another like classic, uh, tw- you know, subversive, like not even classic, more of a cliche where it's like his buddy is in, w- with him for the entire ride, and then he fucks him over at the end. Yeah, and he, you know, he doesn't really do that. No, no, he actually comes back and sticks with him. I just, I don't know. I, I thought. I mean, the point of the character is that he's the reverse side of like the gambling addict. You know, there are two sure. different sides, and he's the one that's over like confident but not really confident enough to go all the way in yeah he's sort of putting up a show he just feels so clearly like the angel on one side of the shoulder yeah yeah against the devil and it like it the contrast was so stark Mm -hmm. and just like the way the movie framed him and everything i'm telling you i watched the whole movie and i'm like i know that this twist is coming (laughs) to the point where i was offended that they were even trying it so the it was like that's how certain i was that they were going to do this and then they get to it and it, it's not a twist after all. He is like a real guy <laughs> and it really confused me. It really baffled me. Interesting. I, I'm sure no one else has had this experience. I, I don't, again, I don't know what was going on in my life when this was happening, but um, yeah, I, I do think it's a good performance. And also the guy has a Dave Matthews band tattoo. So that uh, really, oh. Oh. that hammers the point home for me. Oh, well, that, I, don't like, like, <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Uh, I do really love this movie. Oh God. Um, it is, as you mentioned, basically a California split remake though. Let's be fucking honest about it. It is. It's more of a remake of California split than bad Lieutenant is a remake of bad Lieutenant. Right. (laughs) Like you literally have the mugging scene. Yeah. You have the drinking all night scene and wagering on ridiculous things. That opening scene is very similar. Honestly, the opening scene meeting at the poker table. Exactly. Same dynamic. Yeah. You have like the prostitute. It ends in craps. It ends in craps. Yeah. You have the basketball game, the pickup basketball game. Yep. It's the same movie, mm-hmm. um, but does sort of play it in an interesting way. I think like tonally, it's a little different. Yeah. Oh, tone, oh abs- that, that was the big thing. The, the, the way it handles the tone is so much quieter. Mm. And, and, and again, I, I, it's, I mean, obviously it's going to any, nothing's, nothing's Altman. <laughs> so, right. so like you could do what, whatever riff you want on that. It's never going to be Altman. Sure. You know, even when Paul Thomas Anderson does it, it's still kind of PTA. Right. So, yeah, I mean, here's my thing. Like, let's stop remaking West Side Story and let's uh, start remaking movies like California Split. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, this is... It'll be good. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be good. No, it looks great. As I said, I'm kind of on board. That shot of the two gangs, like it's really good, isn't that like, great? <laughs> that like Spielberg back. What, that that lens must have been like a five millimeter. It's so fucking wide, crazy. <laughs> but like you know, I, I I've seen West Side Story. I get it, and I'm sure like this will be yeah a great version of what you would see on Broadway. Um, yeah, let's remake California Split. No one, no one is putting that much brain power into remaking like weird '70s Altman movies. And no, I'm but glad that Anna Bode and Ryan Fleck had the balls to do it. Yes, because it's a it, it's phenomenal. I thought, yeah, thought it was you know incredibly layered and interesting. And I just I don't know. I can't get enough of these people, which is so weird. <laughs> it's a like I kept saying, I can't I I can get enough of these people, but I can't. And that's I guess that's what they're feeling when they're gambling. 
Mm. Does that make sense? <laughs> that, that, yeah, I that's, guess. That's kind of how I wanted to rate, relate to these gambling mo- movies where it's like, I wanted that similar sense of anxiety. That's why I love Uncut Gems so much. Yeah. It's that similar feel where it's like, I, dis- I, I, I feel like if you're a gambler, you must despise everything about it, but you can't help yourself but go back to it. Yeah, I think that's most addictions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Although I don't feel that way about gambling. You're, you're, you're not as bad as, (laughs) as the really bad guys though. Yeah. I guess I'm not there. I know you still find joy in it. You want to pretend to be that bad. No, I get it. (laughs) I get it. I just want to be Elliot Goldman so bad. (laughs) You're pretty close. You're pretty close. I just want to be that guy. I don't see you talking to the prostitutes that way though. I don't see you. (laughs) I just don't see it, dude. (laughs) How do you suppose I would talk to the prostitutes? (laughs) Can I be a prostitute? <laughs> Hello, I'm yeah, here. I would really ask them about like the financial structure and like, that's what I would do. I I've gotten into co- conversations with strippers before I got into a conversation once with a stripper that gave me a lap dance. I know I'm saying that. What were you talking about? Uh, I, I asked her her name and I'm like, Oh, like what's it like here? And she's like, oh, you know, it's fine. The men are kind of hit or miss, I guess. I'm like, Oh, well that's fine. Like, do you like the work? She's like, you know, it's, it's more to pay for school. I'm like, Oh, where are you going to school? Eastern. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would want to like, know. Like, are you a freelancer? Like, do you have a pimp? Like, do you have a pimp? Yeah. Are you like, what's like the contractual obligation? <laughs> You're asking very intense. No, movie that's, if I were to meet a prostitute, I think that's what I would ask. And I would say, let's just not worry about the sex for now. I just have some questions. You ever had a prostitute come up to you? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I had one in, uh, uh Budapest come up to me. Yeah. I had one in America. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I had I had one in Boston, and then uh, I I did see one in my town fairly recently. Oh God, that was talking to another gentleman at a bar. These are the types of bars that I frequent. Yeah, and he she gave him a sneak preview of what was to come. She just sort of pulled away oh. at a nipple and just gave him a little sneak preview of a nipple. Oh, and then just went about. You know, that's business. it. That's all she showed. Him. You know, kind of like the 30 second song preview they give you on iTunes before you buy the whole thing. I think that's what that You're was. comparing them to nipple slips. Yeah. Slip well, this was not nipple. a slip. This was an intentional. This, this is a full nipple. Yeah, this was um, <laughs> not the boob, just the nipple. It's like a little flap that just comes out nipple. It wasn't quite that. That, <laughs> that would have be, been something funny. That would have been hilarious. Okay. Like that's, the nipple is on laugh in. That's a, that's a prostitute with a sense of humor. <laughs> I want to meet that prostitute. <laughs> you want to see something? Okay. Let me just unzip this little <laughs> centimeter <laughs> flap. Uh, I got to meet a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. The one who I, I, I saw came up to me. She's like sex. I was like, six, like six. Oh no, no, no. Do you want sex? I was like, Oh, sex. Uh, no, no, thank you. I got to go get bread. (laughs) That's literally what happened. (laughs) Speaking of accents, (laughs) I talked to someone this week that is a listener of our program. Mm Hmm. And he thought you had a German accent. <laughs> Explain that one to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe that's the, the episode he listened to. Oh, yeah. Try not to burn the house down. 
doing my us impression. Yeah, he, that was like, he was like, who's the guy with the German accent that's on your podcast? This podcast? Yeah. I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know where they were going with that one. I was like, is that like a Baltimore accent? I mean, he is from Baltimore am, initially. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm from Maryland. But so. he moved very soon. Yeah, yeah. I was, I lived there for, you know, five, five and a half years. Nor is that a Baltimore accent. No, I don't have a, so people have wondered if I had like a slight, if I'm from the South, I've, I've actually gotten that before. I don't know why, like, but they hear it every once in a while. But I feel like I, I would have. South. Yeah. I feel like the, yeah, they've been like, yeah, you have some kind of an accent. Are you a little further South? I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, I am. But like, do I have an accent? No, I don't think I do. No, 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 no. no it's, it's definitely not Southern. No. Yeah. A German. I, like they thought you were European, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. You maybe look a little German, but I'm not I sure. I look a little German. Oh yeah. yeah you, you watched look- a video. Is that what it is? No, I, I I don't think that's what it was. I think they thought you sounded German. Anyway, uh, what's getting in here, buddy? I mean, I have my pick, but I don't know. I don't know. It's it. My pick is a uh, Mississippi grind, of course. But I don't know. I don't know. It's up to you, I guess. I mean, rounder. You, you want rounders? I, you feel like you did this podcast for rounders and then you're like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And then you're like, okay, maybe I will do it. I'll double dip. Yeah. For a while it was not on the list. Cause I thought we had talked about it, but then it felt like I was yeah. Committing blasphemy uh-huh. to not put it here. Yeah. That's okay. It's just not American man to exclude rounders from your gambling podcast. Yeah. Rounders is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I, I, I will give you that. It's not the best movie on the list. If we're talking about this qualitatively, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's I, I think California split is a good compromise here. Yeah. Boy, I think the gambler were crossing off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not And hard. A, I, like I said, just not quite. There. It's not quite a gambling movie either. So I'm, I'm cool with not picking that one either. I did veto. I, I think I vetoed the last one. I think I did. So I don't remember if I did. I know I vetoed the Hawks one, so I don't want to do that. Oh, right. You put Red River in. I don't want to do that to you again. So I I think Mississippi grind. I I do love it. I do think it's a little too recent though. Yeah, I know. I know that's the problem. So, and I think, Hey, I don't, well, no, when we do 2015, yeah, there's no fucking way that's getting in. (laughs) This was Mad Max year, huh? You were too busy seeing Mad Max in the theater 10 times. Are you going to argue that this is better than Mad Max Fury? No, I, I, I I don't. I (laughs) I have Mad Max higher. Although, okay. I don't know what else. I don't think this was at the top of my 2015 list. 2015 was a good year. It was like one of the last like great years. Yeah. And then you get like the black sheep 2019 and that's has been the last great year as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, I, I, I would like to compromise on California split. If you would like to compromise with me, I, no, do you want rounders? I'll let you have rounders. You will. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. What would your, your second choice would be California split though. If I had, oh, if I had to give up, uh, if you had to rank them, yeah, it goes, yeah, it goes Mississippi grind, California split rounders, uh, heart eight, the gambler. Well, if you'll give it to me, I'm going to take that. I'll gift. let you have it, you know, for, as a treat, go ahead, do it. I dare you. Rounders! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I know. I, I got sentimental. I appealed to his his bad side. Yes! <laughs> Hell yeah, baby! Okay. Oh, I'm so happy. Okay. All of your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Respect is all you'll have in the morning. <laughs> oh, boy. <gasps> Rounders!
rounders? Yes. Well, this saves you uh, an opportunity to talk about rounders again on a future podcast. Because you know, part of it, it's like it in. we don't need any more rounders. Like it's really good. I get it. It's a lot of fun, but like no more rounders. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. That's it. Uh, again, no show next week. Two weeks from now, the movie hall of fame will be back with the to be determined topic. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll pick another year. What do you think? I think we're due for another year. Now, this is my other question as far as our ideas are concerned. Do you want to shorten the time span to five years? That helps a little. Well, I mean, we're we're still kind of out of years, though. I mean, you're saying pre-1960? No, I mean, if we shortened it to five years, we could do uh, a few in the 2010s. Oh. So... Yeah, maybe we do that. I don't think it's a bad idea. I, th- I, I was thinking about doing 1964 at some point because I looked at that list and it looked like a pretty good one. Yeah, we haven't done that. That's, is that the Dr. Strangelove year? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's Strangelove. Um, it's, uh, there were a couple other ones there. Fistful of Dollars. Oh, really? Have you seen a Fistful of Dollars? Yeah, I've seen them all. Okay. Goldfinger was that year. Hard really? Day's Night was that year. Oh, wow. Oh, you haven't seen a Hard Day's Night, have you? I haven't. Dude. I haven't seen any Beatles movies. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a childhood favorite of mine. Mary Poppins. Okay. You know, I I can't remember the last time I watched Mary Poppins. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Ages. Oh, uh, Umbrellas of uh, Cherbourg. That's one I've been meaning to see forever. It's like one of Damien Chazelle's favorite movies. So. Oh, yeah. That's like, yeah. It's, like it's La- literally La La, 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 La Land, Land, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Let's maybe do that next week or two weeks from now. I'm down. Cool. All right. Uh, love you so very, very much. We're going to keep doing this show. Don't worry, guys. And until next time. Run, baby. Run, baby. Run. Run, you fucking horse.